bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 113 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host Corinne Nidja and this week we have... My beautiful husband, Ranjit, on the show. Say hello. Hi. (laughs) So we are continuing on this week with our little theme. I said I was going to do a two-part miniseries, but turns out it's going to be three parts. With Ranjit on this episode because... We just, I just felt like having him back on as a guest and we can talk about our own parenting experience from a different angle, from Ranjit's angle. If you haven't heard Ranjit's whole food plant-based recovery story, I feel like he's episode 83, but I may be wrong, but check in the show notes. Um, I'll have it linked there because he has his own incredible story of weight loss and reducing his hay fever and just feeling and looking better in general. But today we are talking all things raising vegan kids and I'm looking forward to spending 45 minutes with my favourite guy. Are you looking forward to spending 45 minutes with me? Always. (laughs) I love you. All right, let's go. Hello, Ranjit, and welcome to the show. Hi, it's nice to be back. (laughs) I love you. So this week, I thought that we have, people have heard much of our story, but people who are new to this episode today may not have heard it, they may not have scrolled all the way back to when you were on the show, they may not even have heard my story. So... Counting all of that and then just thinking about our everyday lives, I thought we could just talk about raising vegan kids because, let's face it, when I first said that I was going to go whole food plant-based for my health, you were super, super supportive. But when I said, now I'm going to go vegan, you were super, super supportive, but you were a bit like, oh my, I remember you specifically saying, I didn't marry a vegan. (laughs) And you didn't. So how was it for you when I first said that? It was definitely a lot at the time because whilst you'd modified your diet a lot, I hadn't really done anything to mine. So I think previously you'd been eating differently for your health and that hadn't really impacted me that much. I guess I'd made food for you that was suitable for you, but then I'd also eat other stuff of my own and not really, it didn't, it did, what you were doing didn't really affect me that much. But then I guess the added layer of becoming vegan then meant that you were casting judgment (laughs) upon a lot of the food choices I was making from an ethical point of view. So that made it more tricky to navigate. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, because we basically were eating a whole food plant-based diet for a couple of years at home, in my mind, it wasn't a big leap, but in your mind, you still 
we were both food. When Ranjit and I first met, oh my gosh, we used to eat. It was our thing. <laughs> we would go get sushi, the salmon sushi. Then we would that would be like entree in the city, and then we go we get pad thai. No, with dumplings first. We were literally gluttons. We would get like an entree of dumplings. I would always get vegetarian ones because I was whole food plant based, but this was when I was allowing in a lot more oil than what I we, we oil was one of our SOS took a while for us. SOS free. I was eating dumplings and then we'd get sushi and then we would get, because I was still eating seafood from the overcoming multiple sclerosis way of eating. And then we would get pad thai. <laughs> like, like, oh my gosh, now I feel sick at the thought of that. So we loved eating out together, going to Asian restaurants, getting, well, I would get the vegetarian the plant-based meal all the time and he would get the regular versions that he liked. So he would get pork dumplings and he would get other chicken pad thai and I would get the vegan versions of all of those things, um, except for the salmon because, I, yeah, as I said, I was having the fish for omega-3 as recommended in that specific way of eating, even though I'm sure that's been omitted a lot now because I know George was always very firm believer in eating that the fish, you know, are higher in mercury and that the bigger the fish, the more mercury it contains. So I know that he wasn't like saying go eat salmon, but I was just like, I take your, you can eat some seafood and run with it as far as I can because that's just how I guess I am as a human. So yeah, what I'm trying to say is that I thought because we were eating most like plant-based 90% of the time apart from our, like, you know, city binge eating feasts that we would have that weren't they weren't common that was like twice a year was it twice a year please tell me it was twice a year it was probably more regularly than that (laughs) (laughs) oh geez anyway you're uh just gonna what's that reflecting back the truth to me (laughs) yeah so i I thought it was easier and but for you it was a big shift yeah, it was because, well, like I said, you changed your stuff a lot, but it hadn't really impacted me that much. I don't know. I guess from that first 12 months when I went vegan, it was, I was, as, as I've mentioned numerous times in the podcast, it was hard because it was like the matrix for me. It's like I had taken the, what colour pill do they take? Blue. Blue. Taken the blue pill. and uh, like, Red pill. Red pill. Same whichever thing. one that makes you wake up. And I had this new view of the world that I couldn't take off and I couldn't even take it off for him and I found it so and I know that many new vegans become super annoying self-righteous dogmatic vegans but the thing is like I don't know for me personally it's just that you're just like wow I didn't realize I was participating in horrific cruelty and now that I know better I'm going to do better straight away and I loved Ranjit and he's so great just now you know this I'm telling you this Hop to it. But was there a huge struggle in you to both love me and be true to yourself? Yeah. Well, as I said to you for several years that I wanted to come to it from my own path and not just have you force me into it because I think if you just force, if I just did it purely for your sake, I thought I it would either be short term or it would 
lead to other problems. So I wanted to try and get there in my own way. And I think it it took six years or so, but I got there eventually. I'm glad you got there. I used to always tell him how much I would love him more if he would just, how many more love hearts would come out of me in my eyes if he, if he went vegan. And now they do all the time, do you notice? Yeah, there's a definite change. <laughs> uh, are you being sarcastic? A little bit. <laughs> okay, so how was it when... I said I was going vegan in relation to our children. Like, how did that, how did you feel about that when the status quo of society is that kids eat chicken nuggets all day long, hot dog, cocktail frankfurt? No, it didn't really bother me at all because I guess intellectually I knew that a plant-based diet's really healthy and fruit and vegetables are fundamentally good for you. So I had no real, I think some parents... Maybe particularly men, maybe I'm being uh, sexist. sexist or imposing stereotypes, but I feel like a lot of people want their kids to eat meat like it's some sort of signifier of I don't know what, but masculinity, masculinity or just, but I've seen parents do it with their uh, with yeah. daughters and stuff, so it's, mm. I don't think it's necessarily that, but I don't know, some sort of signifier of something special, but I never really had any attachment to any of that, so it didn't, it never really bothered me. I guess, and particularly because you were framing it in that boys that, you know, MS can be genetically communicate or not communicate. More prevalent. Yeah. No, no. The MS can be, it can come through families and is worse for men and considering we had two sons, well, one son at the time and went on to have a second son that, if that was going to be something that we could help mitigate, then, of course, that seemed like the sensible thing to do. Did you have any worries about their health and them getting everything that they would need to grow and thrive, though? No, not really at all. Particularly then, I think I was much more into supplements and protein powders and things like that. So I just thought, well, there's always things like that to take that will be out and it ever really crossed my mind that they'd be getting a lesser nutritional experience. What supplements do the kids take now, Ranjit? B12, and I give them some vitamin D during winter because they're just not outside as much. What have been the struggles for you going vegan and raising and having vegan kids as far as socialising, peer groups? Have there been any struggles? For me personally, I haven't found there to be too many struggles. It was a pretty easy overnight thing for me. I've, I guess, being in social situations where there's less options of food that can be a bit frustrating but it's not it's not the end of the world it's only one meal or a short period of time it's not gonna have too much of an impact I guess with the kids it can be a bit frustrating for them because they're out in a world surrounded by things that aren't vegan and their options are lessened and I guess it's maybe they don't have the it's harder for them to maybe it's harder for them to process that or deal with that than it is for me. I think I'm easy, able to compartmentalize it pretty easily, but I guess that might be tough for them. But I think they do really, really well in understanding which things they can and can't eat and why. And I don't. It's pretty rare, if ever, where they are complaining about not being able to eat something or getting upset about something. 
What's something positive that you notice about having vegan kids? Like what's a positive that you've been like, oh, that, they're, they're like this and it correlates with them being vegan or potentially? Well, I guess having so, so much junk foods now off the table, which I think is pretty good, <laughs> it makes your job as a parent to try and ensure they're not eating so much junk food a bit easier because so much of the junk food around isn't vegan. Uh, so that's a positive. But then I guess also I think they're just so much more mindful and aware of food, where it comes from, how it's made, what are in things what effects they have when eaten, which I think a lot of kids don't, or I certainly didn't. Uh, and I guess a lot, just a lot of kids, you know, if you're not, if you're just eating the standard Australian diet, you've no real reason to interrogate any of these choices or any of this information anymore. So I guess it's nice knowing that they have a greater awareness of food and what it can do and its positive and negative effects. I think that's a really good effect of being vegan. I agree. I really like that too. I think for me, even just as a, from a food addict perspective, it's such a relief to me that ethically I won't touch certain foods <laughs> because I could go down a spiral of food addiction behaviours if I could touch as many things as what I want to eat. But for kids, I love it because it is teaching them, like Ranjit said, it is teaching them, oh, this thing makes me feel yuck or this food makes me not have enough as much energy. Even yesterday with Iggy, he was eating, we just had bread for breakfast, but normally we have oats for breakfast and they last longer and he feels full for longer and he's not, he's not snacking. But when we had bread, it was farmer's market bread and he had it yesterday and then afterwards he had miso soup and then he had berries. He was just worst of eating machine until lunchtime. And it's just a really noticeable when they're not getting food that sticks to them and that stays and is lasting and slow releasing. And just in that one meal choice yesterday, so much education and information came out. Yeah, that's true. He's. I think both of them are getting becoming more and more aware of what foods do and don't work for them in terms of energy and how they feel afterwards. And Ranjit, you are everyone's dream husband because you do all the shopping because he won't let me because once upon a time I bought mushroom jerky that cost like $16 because I wanted to try it and I've had a few purchases like that so it's not just that one but he brings it up all the time and says that I'm not allowed to do the shopping because as soon as I walk in and the bright lights and all the new vegan food I'm like wow look at all this new vegan food what is this and I just get carried away I get carried away. So he does the groceries. And he also does, because I, we have different, he works evenings, I work. It just ends up that Ranjit does the lion's share of the dinners in our family. And that can be difficult for everyone. We have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, Iggy and Theo. And I want to talk to you about mealtime particularly the kids' foods that they like and what what their favourites are, what things have you found that they're like, this is excellent and what things have been, what's been frustrating feeding vegan kids and what's been like awesome, you've nailed it, been a great success with vegan kids for anyone out there listening, wanting some tips about food and feeding kids. I guess one positive is that 
they're both pretty open-minded and that they like things that I like. So it's not like I'm having to heavily modify what I make to suit them. I pretty much make food that I like and they happen to like it too, which is nice. And But something that can be quite frustrating is, but this is not really a vegan kid thing or exclusive to our kids, but just the inconsistency of children's likes and dislikes and they can like something one week and I think, great, onto something awesome, I'll keep making that and make it the next week and they don't want to eat it at all and it's really frustrating. <laughs> but I guess in terms of things they like, there's definitely vegetables that they do and don't like more than others and there's certain things I've learned to not really bother with. I guess things like eggplant, neither of them are that taken with it, that, so I don't really use that in cooking, but most other vegetables they're pretty open to. What do you reckon's there? Oh, what's Theo's favourite? Theo would be potatoes, sweet potato and normal potatoes. <laughs> he is my favourite. Yeah. I love him though. <laughs> uh, whereas Iggy hates potatoes and refuses to eat them and will even not have difficulty eating something that has potatoes in it, even if he could just easily pick them out or avoid them. It's funny because, of course, he still likes hot chips with sauce, if he could get the oil chips, but any any, any other type of potato he's absolutely against. Yeah, that can be pretty frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> like he'll pick a round potato and it just seems for people who I love potato and so does Theo and you like it too. Yeah, no, I really like it. It's probably my favourite vegetable and, oh, nah, it would be. Sometimes a... Queensland pumpkin is my favourite, but mostly. Oh, broccoli. I do like broccoli. But the kids like broccoli too, actually. Yeah, Iggy loves broccoli, which is a real positive. I guess a lot of parents would really like their kids to love broccoli, and ours really do, and that's pretty cool. He also really loves salad. Yeah, if, if you catch him on the, with the right combination of things. And a good dressing. Mm-hmm. Which is great. And I think that I was always, because I wouldn't eat, as a kid myself growing up, I would pick out the tomato in spag bowl. I would pick out the onion in the spag bowl, the carrot chunks, the salad. I put all the vegetables to the side until there was just meat, red, and <laughs> noodles. And I love seeing my kids, because I know where eating that way got me and, and you as in relation to our health. You know, I didn't eat vegetables. I didn't like salad. I just would eat the sausage, the white bread, the tomato sauce, the whatever, the fish fingers, the cheese block. <laughs> and it made me super sick. So I love that our kids are, you know, always begging for apple cheeks and begging for frozen berries and broccoli and enjoying a wide variety of fresh and cooked fruits and vegetables. Mm, yeah, it is really, uh, really nice to see. It's a massive contrast to how we both ate when we were children. Yeah, definitely. No, I was very uh, mono-minded in a lot of my vegetable consumption as a kid. I still ate, I, I ate a lot of other bad stuff that offset the vegetables but still they were not in the they're not in the majority of my diet that's for sure 
How were you, were you th- at all thinking about things like protein, iron, calcium? I know last week we had Mandy Van Zanen on the show and she was just like, <laughs> I don't think about that at all. But I, you know, I was super hyper, super hyper. I was very focused on are they getting enough because I was really scared and I guess the people around me were worried too and so I was became kind of hyper-obsessed with it, especially when Iggy was little and trying food for the first time, making sure he was getting enough iodine and, you know, eating a huge, wide variety of everything. How did you feel about all of that? I guess initially it was a bit stressful, particularly when Iggy was younger because you don't have much evidence in front of you of how it's going. It's all very new and you want to make sure you're doing your best. But I guess as time's gone on, it's been easier to relax about it. I guess I just try and be mindful of including a wide variety of things and having lots of lentils and chickpeas and things like that for protein just to hedge my bets as to whether or not they're getting enough and just keep giving them a variety of things, sneak greens in wherever I can. I think now I don't worry about it so much because they're both healthy and happy and seem like they're doing well. That makes it easier to stay a bit more relaxed as well. Mm. And I think... Uh, not to toot my own horn, but I will toot my own horn. I, I, I think we both were concerned, which is probably why I did breastfeed for as long as I did with both of them. I breastfed them both for over three years. And I hope that with the diet that I was eating, which was pretty great when I was breastfeeding both of them, um, that that just helped strengthen their immune system in some way. I'm not sure that I know that not everyone who's listening is going to breastfeed for a combined seven years. But I do think that breastfeeding, if you can breastfeed and if you have the support and um, means to breastfeed for as long as possible, it's, it, it's, it's always going to be of great benefit to children. Yeah, I think definitely in that first three years, I was a lot more a lot more relaxed or wasn't worrying about it as much because I knew that they were still having that in their diet. So hopefully that was filling in any blanks that we weren't able to cover with eating while they were a bit more fussy or, you know, maybe not eating as much or as much of a variety of things. So my next question would be, what would be your go-to things when eating out with kids? In terms of places to go or things to get? types of food that you get when you're out and you haven't prepared or you're out and you don't know what to get for them? Okay, I guess Chinese restaurants are always pretty good because they have a pretty wide selection of vegetable dishes that are pretty tasty and fun for kids Uh, and it's not they don't require lots of modification and often often you can get things there that have less oil or you can ask them to put less oil in which is nice it's not always an option with a lot of places where they sort of pre-cook a lot of things I think that's one great advantage about Chinese and some other kinds of Asian restaurants as well where it's made quite freshly so it's, there's they're open to modifying things a bit more when it comes to oil mm, true and the kids both tend to love 
uh, avocado hand roll if all else fails. We just have to check if they've got mayonnaise in them because, like, where my parents come from, their sushi place, they put egg mayonnaise in their avocado or cucumber or vegetarian ha- hand rolls, which is a bit of a annoyance. Yeah, no, I don't think the kids have ever turned down sushi in their life. That's always a good go-to if you can find it. Mm, absolutely. What are the kids' favourite dinners at the moment? Well, Iggy likes ramen probably the most. He likes Asian noodle things in general, but the ramen that I make at the moment, he's really taken with and looks forward to it each week. He does. He's super excited because we're having it tonight and it is so delicious. So you should make yourself invited to our house so that Ranjit can cook for you because he loves it when I invite strangers over for tea. Don't you, baby? I do. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. I like cooking for our people, whether or not I know them particularly well or not. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We, this is going to be a short episode because I don't want to go on and on and on about it, but I think for both of us, well, I don't know. One thing I like about it is talking about it. We never talked about food when I was growing up or when you were growing up. You just eat it mindlessly, which definitely didn't help with my relationship with food being so toxic because you're just shoveling it in. And you're not really thinking about what you're putting in or what it does for your body or if it's harmful or if it's health promoting or or what. And so my favorite thing about raising our kids vegan would be that they're conscious of their food choices and their what they're eating and why a lot, a lot more than I was. Now, I'm not saying they always are because like we had the our kids school festival on the weekend and they had like a lemonade icy pole and I made non-whole food plant-based, so they'll flour, lemonade and coconut cream, which I wouldn't recommend everyone eat, but I wanted people to buy them to raise funds for the school and I thought, oh, I don't know a whole food plant-based recipe and they asked me to make scones. So I made that recipe and the kids ate those and I think, was there anything else? Oh, we had tempura. Sushi was all that they had that was vegetarian, so it was just the filling was coated in tempura batter and deep fried which is just the worst vegan option ever. But anyway, I guess some vegans would be really happy with that. So they ate that at the festival and I don't think they felt that they didn't feel great, but, I mean, they probably would have eaten that mindlessly just like every other kid that was there eating mindless. They had fairy floss as well, didn't they? Which is mm. They're not perfect kids, but they're, they're so much better than what I was or you were growing up. Oh, definitely, 100%. My gosh, like I saw kids running around there, you know, eating. They got they won full family size blocks of chocolate and they were just allowed to just eat a family size block of chocolate to themselves. And like I would have loved that when I was their age and I was just so glad that my kids couldn't eat that and couldn't be off with their own money winning giant blocks of chocolate and eating giant blocks of chocolate themselves. So that is a definite win for raising kids whole food plant-based and raising them vegan because if your kid's just whole food plant-based, it's pretty great. But adding that ethical level, like our kids just wouldn't, don't, we don't, they don't consider it food. Yeah, no, it's not something I think even, even Theo now, I don't think that either of them would be going off and I'm not worried about them going somewhere and 
just going off the rails all of a sudden. Mm. I think that they are doing it mindfully and deliberately and, you know, both aware enough to ask about things and find out if they're not sure about things, which is good. Mm. Sometimes I, I feel a bit uncomfortable because there's all the time walking around now going, is this vegan? That's not vegan. This isn't vegan. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, gosh. But I, that's my own stuff that I don't like potentially offending a room full of non-vegans. But then I like that he raises the – points out the elephant in the room and helps people to think about those things. But, you know, on the at that festival, you know, they both won – they got Lucky Dip jars where you get whatever's in the jar and you don't know what it is and both of them were full of Cadbury's Assorted. And none of them, but they were sad, but they weren't, it wasn't like they were begging us to eat them, which I thought they might. You know, I thought that they would be wanting to eat them, but they don't at all. They just were disappointed that they didn't get Lucky Dip with something that was a toy. Mm, yeah, no, they were both fine about that. That wasn't a big deal at all for them. Mm. I think a lot of parents who are considering raising their children vegan panic about them missing out on those types of experiences or that they're going to rob them of a childhood or rob them of experiences with their friends or having that game where they win the blocks of chocolate. You know, how can you not allow them to do that thing that would bring them so much joy? And I was watching the kids' faces because I was put in charge of running that store with the chocolate coin toss chocolate block prizes and you know I could see the joy on the kids faces but also that just it made me feel sad because the kids were so desperate for the chocolate in a way that I remember that desperation like they were getting each other to hold her the back so they could get better balance hold my leg hold my side make sure I can can I just jump over there and reach it? You know, I was so desperate for this chocolate. Like it was, it's like the first drugs, you know, <laughs> like it's a drug for them. They were so desperate for that, to win a block of chocolate that it was like a whoa moment. Like, you know, this is bad that their food's, if they had a broccoli coin toss where you win a head of broccoli, they wouldn't react the same. No, probably not. <laughs> So, yeah, I feel glad that my kids, even though Iggy probably would be the same if it was like a fairy floss winning coin toss, maybe he'd be as keen to. Yeah, maybe. But even Theo the didn't even finish his fairy floss that he had. He handed it back over with about the third or a half to go because it was just too much for him, mm, mm. <laughs> which show it should be because it's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's disgusting. So gross. But both kids uh, are often tell me that things are too sweet and won't eat the whole thing. When they're eating things that aren't whole food plant-based and are like a donut or a chocolate bar or a thing that they, that they get given that's vegan or a cake or a sweet, they of, they often will not eat the full thing. Yeah, no, that's pretty pretty regular. Mm. Whereas I would have eaten that whole thing and all the other things and not even known that it was making me feel sick. Yeah, definitely. Or affecting my mood or doing anything. And so I like that they're getting educated as they go along. And I I imagine that when they're older, they just aren't going to want those things because they're just going to know that it affects their performance, they affect their... And I know that it's our role to limit those things. And Ranjit's actually way better than me because I 
still have this lens of that those things, even though I know intellectually, like I talk about in this show, that there's no moderation, that they're addictive foods designed to make us addicted. I do find it still when they ask me and other people are asking, I just, I have this fear that if I give them none at all, that they'll rebel against whole food plant-based eating at a certain age and just be eating like absolute rubbish. Now, it is getting less and less as their education grows and their awareness grows and their self-awareness grows, but it has been a thing that has caused me worry is that if I li- if I don't give them any, that they'll go in the opposite direction really hard like uh, a girl from my primary school and high school did and she had vegetarian parents and she just would call me up and be like, she had not. She had them. They were drinking wheatgrass. They were plant based at home, and she got no meat, no junk food at home. And she would call me up and say, "Corinne, I'm coming over. Get the meat out of the fridge and make sh- at the fr- out of the freezer and make sure you've got ice cream." And she would come and she'd just binge on junk food and meat at my house. And her parents were ethical vegetarians. Like they worked in slaughterhouses, and that's what made them go vegetarian. And so, yeah, I was just very concerned after seeing Helen and how she basically never ate a vegetable because of the reaction to her parents' strong beliefs on animal rights and healthy eating that I was terrified that that would happen to our kids. But I think, I don't think that's going to be the case, but that was a very legitimate fear of mine that if I said none at all that they would be like, now you've made it a taboo, I'm definitely getting that thing that you're saying no to. Like people do with smoking, they do it with sex. Like look at America, don't, don't have sex before you get married and they've got the highest teen pregnancy rates in all of the world. I was just nervous. But I do think that the education and the relationship and that we have with the kids really helps them to navigate it themselves responsibly. Yeah, I agree. It is a really hard thing to navigate in general. I don't think there's a black and white definitive answer to any of those any of that stuff it's hard living in us if we lived in a completely isolated remote community where there was just none of anything then I think it would be easier but living in a suburban metropolitan area like we do it's and sending them to a conventional school it's difficult to fully avoid all that sort of stuff and you just got to try and navigate it the best you can I think that one of the things that I find the trickiest is it trips me up the most would be that kids regularly, primary school kids, parents regularly bring their kids to school with junk food on the kid's birthday to share with the class. And there's 26 kids in a class. So that's 26 kids bringing in rubbish food to share with the class. Not, it's not actually that many, but, you know, it's a lot. There's 26 kids in the class. And if, if every kid came in with this lollies, Frodo frogs, whatever it is, chopper chops, they're almost getting one a week, you know, with the school calendar. And that's really, that's probably the thing that's made Iggy the saddest is that they keep bringing in this food. And sometimes they'll bring in vegan food vegan lollies but they won't think that Iggy can eat them so they won't give him one even though it's like a chopper chop that's vegan and even though I'm glad I find that the trickiest and so I've ended up each year I pretty much I leave a thing of pomegranate hard-boiled lollies 
but then they're individually wrapped in plastic and that causes me grave <laughs> guilt because I don't want to... You, ha you have to be plastic wrapped so they'll last. But still, that's, I find that really frustrating. I just wish that we could get the parents to stop doing that. Not that I want them to take joy away. Can't they do something else? I don't know what they can do. Like the seeds, seed packets, like coals, <laughs> like Woolworths. Something that's not rubbish food. You know, at the patch at the festival there was just sausages and fairy floss and chocolate bars and it's just everywhere and I do find that really frustrating. Yeah, it definitely is frustrating. And I guess the other thing would be family members. Because how do you find with your parents when you told them that you were going to raise our kids vegan? How did you feel? Because I know people have heard how I felt about it, but I'd like to hear your feelings on it when you're trying to – because grandparents love to treat their kids, their grandkids. I think – yeah, they do. But I think well, at least for my parents, I think they've found it pretty easy. They're open and supportive straight away and they – I guess, you know, my mum still likes getting stuff for them – it is a bit more fun and maybe a bit less healthy, but she's still mindful of not going too crazy and making sure it's, you know, obviously vegan, but then also, you know, if she can find icy poles that are made from organic ones, made from fruit juice, she'll get those or a lot of the time or just get things that are on the healthier end of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice. They've they've been really good. Mm, they're pretty great. Wendy and Graham, my parents. I thought I'd leave you to talk about them. <laughs> they are tougher, <laughs> but they're better. Like when he was a baby, Dad accidentally put blue cheese in Iggy's mouth. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. You were, you were having a cheese fig, pat, fig spread, fig jam, blue cheese experience at our house. And Pa just automatically shoved a bit in baby, baby Iggy's mouth and I, like, scooped it out and scraped it out and was super upset about it. No, I don't remember that at all. Oh, well, it happened. But, yeah, they've got lots of, lots of junk food. And now I think that they're trying to have less, but their pantry is just... The kids know when they go there it's just a free-for-all and mum has to close my eyes and ride the wave until we leave. I've, I've been able to limit their Savoy intake to... Like 10, but they wish they could eat the whole bag. They just love Savoy's. The person who made Savoy's really nailed that recipe to make them so addictive to pretty much everyone. Or is it because our kids have such a limited experience with that <laughs> stuff that there's the, the height of <laughs> junk food cuisine? Probably. Probably. Oh, my gosh. I think you've done a great job parenting vegan kids. You've been a great vegan parent to have even when you weren't vegan. You nailed it. Thanks. I'm trying to think of any last questions that people might have that they're like, oh, baby foods. Last week we talked about, not week before that, we talked about we did baby-led weaning. We breastfed for 100 years, baby-led weaning. We just gave them the food that we eat. Yeah, so that's something I was going to say is that I think you sh don't – I know kids can be more fussy, but they can also be pretty open-minded, or at least our kids can be, and I think we haven't really modified our food choices or theirs to facilitate the stereotype that kids who want really plain food and are really fussy because we've 
don't know, our kids are into pretty interesting flavours and tastes and spices and they like all those things and so I think it's maybe if you don't give them to your kids for a long time they might find them a bit weird but if you're starting with them early on uh, you'd be surprised what kids will be interested in eating. I don't know if it's a fact but I have read somewhere that when you're pregnant and breastfeeding and you're eating spices and strong flavours your amniotic fluid and your breast milk tastes a bit like those flavours and I definitely, I've always loved spices and flavour and curries and all those kinds of things. I think that that also is, I do, that does play a role in kids' taste preferences when they're, when they're little, but that might be completely made up. So check it out. Maybe I should fact check it in the show notes. But I think that is something legitimate, that there is, the tastes do come through in that thing. But I do, apart from chilli, we haven't, Put, but they're both kids now are getting more and more obsessed with chili. They love it now, mm. Iggy especially. But for a while we weren't putting actual cayenne pepper or chili powder, well, very much of it in anything. But now we're getting more open to that because the kids are getting more excited. Or Iggy's definitely very excited about spice now. Mm. He loves, loves, loves Tabasco and Sriracha and wasabi and everything. Mm. Okay, Ranjit, top three tips for raising vegan kids or whole food plant-based kids. Number one, I think, would be don't underestimate your kids and their taste buds or the things that they might be into. It's nice to push the boundaries or at least just experiment and see what they do and don't like and don't be afraid to try things you think might not be within their wheelhouse of flavours and tastes. And I think, sorry to interrupt, but I think their parents think, I didn't like that when I was a kid. So they assume on their kid's behalf what mm. they won't, what they will and won't like. Mm. But sometimes your reaction alone can stop kids from wanting to try. If you're like, oh, I hated this, but maybe you'll like it. With like a frown on your face, a disgusted look on your face. And of course your kids are going to be like, that's disgusting. Look mm. at mummy's face. She thinks it's gross. I think that that's a big issue as well. Yeah, definitely. Number two? Number two, I think, would be to learn how to cook vegetables well because there's a big difference between a plate of really overcooked yellow broccoli and broccoli that's just perfectly cooked and still a bit firm and vibrant green. It's a lot more exciting for a kid, I think, to eat when vegetables are cooked well and not just as an afterthought or a cooked poorly, I guess. I really noticed that, that when vegetables are cooked and presented well, the kids are much more enthusiastic to eat them than when they're not. I agree. And sometimes cause Ranjit's much more of a put-love-in cook and I'm much more of a I'm putting this in the slow cooker and I'm leaving for the day. Cook and then some of my <laughs> some of my mis- mix ma- mismatched Meals, slow-cooked meals, sometimes I still think taste amazing, even though they're just beige goo. (laughs) But the kids do much more prefer when I make them a Buddha bowl where it's all vibrant and colourful and alive and amazing. Yeah, definitely. Number three. Number three, I think, would be get creative in ways that you can sneak vegetables into food or sneak a variety of vegetables into food. I often... 
we'll put instead of just cutting up some onion to make the base of something or sauce or something, I'll put carrot and celery and red capsicum in as well, just for a bit of extra flavour. But then also it's just more vegetables that they're getting and putting green things in. I've even tried blending up kale and putting that into things so that they're getting kale, but not necessarily having to chew it or see that there's big things of kale in there, but then they've really enjoyed it and eaten it. And they've really enjoyed it and eaten it, whereas if I just put big leaves of kale in the food, I don't know if they necessarily would have, because I think greens are sort of still the final frontier of their tastes and what they can eat, that they're still not 100% on board, big things of greens, but they're getting better. I'm starting to put whole spinach leaves and things a lot more, and they're okay with that, but... Previously, I'd chop up a lot of greens quite finely to make sure that they're getting in there and not being argued with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that... So be be creative with your deceit, I guess, is tip number three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that, like, dressings and the way that you do do the greens plays a very important role. Yeah, definitely. There's, There's... You can put kale on a plate a lot of different ways and... Uh, just trying kale one way and it doesn't work. I wouldn't write kale off entirely. Maybe just try it a different way. True. Not the only thing. Not the, the only thing that vegans eat is kale. <laughs> no, but something that everyone would like their kids to eat more of. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, thank you, Ranjit, for coming on the show. I've loved chatting with you. It's nice to get to spend forty-five minutes with you. Oh, well, it's been nice spending forty-five minutes with you too. Love you. Hopefully someone gets something out of this. I love you too. Fingers crossed. Thank you, Ranjit, for coming on the show. And thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you got some extra stuff out of this last episode on raising vegan kids. That maybe is new or you can add to your toolbox. There's so many delicious, amazing plant-based recipes to choose from and like Ranjit said I just I find that even like we have a lot of plant-based and vegan cookbooks in the house because I became a bit obsessed with it but I mean you can do it online as well to save the pages and the printing and the trees or you can borrow them from the library but one of the things that my kids I found helpful with the kids is getting them to look through the cookbooks and pick things out themselves that we can make together in the kitchen or getting them involved in the kitchen, getting them involved in the gardening, in the veggie patch, purchasing fruit trees, getting them involved in the whole thing, just the dialogue, the conversation. At dinner time, we really talk about where the food comes from, what it does to their bodies, what it's good for, you know, what it contains in it, iron, vitamin A, whatever's in it, and what those things do in their bodies. And both of my kids want to be ninja warrior stuntmen by night and inventors and things by day. So they need energy to stay up their 24-hour lifestyle. There's so many ways. And if you don't know the answer, and I think a lot a lot of people who struggle, struggle also to ask for help. So if you don't know the answer or you have a fear or a worry, you know, for, for a while I was going to the GP a lot, to my GP a lot with Iggy, much more than with Theo because I was worried and he would, you know, reassure me that, you know, if your kid is thriving and is doing, if you're having wet nappies and having number twos 
and is full of energy you pr- and doesn't have dark circles under their eyes, they're pretty, you can pretty much bet that they're pretty good. It's only when things start to, you know, you start to notice that they're not as full of beans and they're not going to the toilet and they're lethargic and all those things that you really need to worry. But obviously, if you do have a concern for any reason, see a doctor. I recommend seeing a plant-based doctor because they get it, such as Dr. Malcolm Mackay and other nutritionists. You can do, you know, speak to online nutritionists via Skype. Dr. Malcolm Mackay works via Skype as well. Check in with those people. Check in with, you know, Natalie Woodman or Robin Shooter. They've both been on the podcast and so is Dr. Malcolm Mackay. You can scroll back and talk to those people. You can talk to even Dr. Alan Goldhammer will talk to you via Skype from True North. So there's many, many people out there and there's many more coming through the ranks that are lifestyle medicine practitioners and nutritionists and dietitians and all those things. So if you can't find one, plant-based Health Australia. Now, it's Malcolm and Jenny's website, Whole Food Plant-Based. I will put their website in the show notes because they have made an excellent, excellent resource linking all of the GPs that are plant-based, dietitians and, and all those people in Australia now, in America, if you're listening, there are so many. You've got the, the celebrities from everywhere, Dr. Esselstyn, Dr. T. Colin Campbell. You've got Dr. Alan Goldhammer, Dr. Michael Clapper, Dr. Michael Greger. You've got so many greats over there that I'm not even listing here. But please just find doctors that can be- become part of your family's care team as you're moving forward. That would be my last piece on whole food plant-based. You, There's protein, calcium, and iron in plants, all plants, to varying degrees, as Andrew Taylor showed us when he ate potatoes only for 12 months. It can be done. Obviously, I think that kids should have a little bit more variety than just potatoes, but plants, if you eat plants, you'll be okay with a B12 spray and some vitamin D. Other than that, you know where I am on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, 28, maybe there might be more episodes up by the time this episode goes live, but currently, at the time of recording, there's 28 YouTube audios up there, the first 28. You can also find me at Plant Based and Thriving, my Facebook group, which you can join. And thank you all for listening, and thank you for your support, and thank you for sharing this episode with your family and friends. Bye. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier day